Hi everyone, welcome to the Palmer Podcast. I'm James Prescott, your host. Welcome to the show. I've got another new guest with me today, um, somebody who's become a good friend of mine in the last month or so. Um, become very good friends very quickly. It's very strange how that seems to happen. Um, yeah, she's an author and um, she's yeah very wise and encouraging woman. Um, welcome to the show, KJ Ramsey. Welcome. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's going to be really fun. Yes, it is. I've been looking forward to this conversation for about, for about two or three weeks. Um, yeah, I think we've got so much to talk about. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, so um, I'm excited. Um, Kaya has a book out coming out next year, which we will probably talk about on the podcast when it comes out, um, called um, This Too Shall Last. Um, I think it's available to pre-order now, is that right? Um, yep. So you can go and get that. And there's a hashtag on Instagram where you can go and find loads of encouraging things. Um, but um, so let's just hear, I'd just love to hear your story um, um, because I know you've got loads of interesting stuff to share. So yeah, just, just tell us a bit about your story and your, you know, your journey. Yeah. So I always have a hard time with this question because it's such a there's so much to my story. There's so much to anyone's story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But <clears throat> when it comes to what I share on social media and writing, one thing that I do share a lot of is about my story of suffering. And yeah. that, in part, started when I was 20 and a junior in college, and I very suddenly became ill and I went from being completely active and um, involved on campus, a leader, doing well in school to within a matter of days I couldn't walk and couldn't hold a pen, couldn't open a book and my life just completely turned upside down in a week and, and, and it changed entirely for the rest of my life and it's now been over 10 years. So a big part of my story has been learning how to accept ongoing suffering and how to live with joy in the middle of circumstances that remain hard. Hmm. Wow, that's really challenging, yeah. To have that happen overnight, that's... Yeah, that's a good question. I will never yeah. know how it happened. Uh, my family yeah. has a lot of autoimmune disease in it, and so... The doctors think we're kind of genetically stacked to be predisposed to have some pretty severe diseases, but we'll never really know why it happened so suddenly or so intensely. Mm. Uh, the disease that I have is called ankylosing spondylitis, AS, yeah. um, and it actually affects more men than women, and so it was really difficult to get a diagnosis at first, um, but it doesn't typically come on quite as intensely as mine did. But, yeah, we'll never know. It's a, it's a mystery why it was so sudden. Mm. And what's the, what are the kind of the symptoms, like the day-to-day symptoms that you live with? Like, I mean, how does it affect your day-to-day life? Yeah, so it, it depends, on, depends on the season and how much treatment I'm receiving and how well my treatment's working. But um, in 10 years of living with this disease, I've never had a day without pain. So pain is the first and most prominent thing. Uh, I live with some measure of joint pain every day. Um, it, as often in my spine, 
um, especially my lower back. And it also goes into a lot of my other joints, like my hands and my feet. Um, and I, re- I experience a lot of fatigue and like wooziness, dizziness, because your body is with this, this kind of disease, your body's fighting against itself. So it just makes you feel really tired because it's working mm. really hard to kill off parts of you that it doesn't think are you. Thinks they're invaders. Wow, that's yeah. I think I've heard of this condition before. There's a there's a famous sportsman in England who had this, um, like um, a, a cricket player, um, and he had this throughout his career, and it kind of hindered his career, you know. Um, and he played with he played with injections all the time. Um, um, most people won't know who he is, so I won't say his name. But but he was quite well known over here and in the UK yeah. and like he just had injections all the time in his back like and eventually he just he had to quit because yeah. he couldn't live with it anymore um so yeah I mean that must be yeah that's must take a lot of resilience as well you must have to learn a lot of resilience you do you have to when you live with a lot of pain every day you have to learn how to uh choose to still engage your life and I know yeah. this is something that you know a lot about with with things in your story too you have to yeah. still come toward your life as as a place where there's goodness and where you are still capable, um, and that takes courage. Uh, and I like to think about courage as really a virtue, that it's something that we can practice and we can choose over and over again. It's not the absence of anxiety or the absence of hard things. It's turning towards our life with expectancy and trying again time and time again and and as you try again and again your courage builds and your resilience grows and and you find that this life that's full of really hard things actually is also full of really beautiful things too yeah that's right that's my experience as well yeah i mean i live with i live with um you know um anxiety and um you know um and post-trauma stuff you know every day um and that's it. It's like, and then, you know, and I have to kind of face that pain every day. Mm-hmm. This is a different kind of pain. It's not a physical, bodily pain. It's more of an emotional pain. Like, and so whenever I get triggered, I have to face that pain. But I've learned how to go through that and come out the other side quicker, without mm-hmm. letting it control me or destroy me. Um, and it doesn't mean I don't have those painful moments. It just means that I come out of them better. Um, right. And you know, I don't. They don't. They don't control me or destroy me. They just. They just happen, and I just have to. I just have no. I just know my way out. You know, I think that's. And as you learn to do that, and you practice it more, you become more resilient. I think, and it's the same with physical pain. Right. Yeah. And I. I mean, a big part of my story extends beyond physical pain into PTSD as well, and trauma and abuse. And I. I really like to remind people that. All pain has the same neurobiological origin. So whether your pain is physical or emotional or spiritual, relational, it actually triggers the same neurobiological process. And knowing that is important, one, because it equalizes us. It says all pain matters. Mm. All pain deserves a response. But it also means that all pain is embodied. All pain involves our whole bodies, our whole selves. And therefore, to respond to our pain with kindness, we have to care for our bodies and, and shift toward 
goodness in our physical environment. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that because I, I know that my emotional, I don't know about what, I don't know what your experience is with, with, with your trauma and emotional pain, but certainly with me, as I was processing it and working it through, there was definitely a physical element to it. I remember watching a movie and it kind of, something in it, something in it was kind of really connected to my personal story. Um, and I cried at the end, but that, I, I often cry at movies at the end. But then afterwards, there's like this delayed reaction where I suddenly keeled over and there was this like physical, it wasn't even crying. It was like my body was like letting this stuff go. And I actually felt like almost it was moving pain up through my chest and then out of my body and I literally felt it um and then that's when I realized oh this is a this is actual physical pain like it's not this I mean this was this to do with my losing my losing my mother it was to do with grief but but it was a physical pain it wasn't a, it wasn't just an emotional thing and um yeah so I, that's when I realized that and then I found out there's some science that backs that up as well you know which is which I thought was really really interesting so yeah yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so we're we're more alike than we think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right, and that's actually quite reassuring as well. Mm-hmm. I think because it's it, it kind of because yeah, we can often think we're on our own, and we're the only person that's suffered in the way that we have. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it when we when we don't remember that all pain has similar origins, even when it comes from different stories then we're prone to isolate ourselves. But mm. when we remember that we're all embodied and that pain does similar things to each of us, even even though it also manifests in unique ways, then we have room to connect with one another. And it's in our connection to one another that we can find healing and find yes. joy, which is really hard because I know that you know this, because it's often in our connection to one another where we're most wounded too. Yeah, and this is it. I'm, and yeah, and I'm working through this with with the life coach right now. The, I didn't realize the level of relational pain that I had. I uh, I probably should have known. It, it seems obvious from the outside, but when you're when you're in it, you don't realize it. And mm-hmm. like the the amount I learned to mistrust people and to expect bad things to happen and like and being able to love somebody like especially women because because it was my mother who passed away it was my you know um and there was a there's a kind of there's there's legitimate fear it's not like this masculine stereotype of fear of abandonment it's more it's a genuine kind of uh, is this person going to going to leave me as well like is this person going to go and never come back and leave me with all this with, little, with loads of pain and grief and that kind of thing. And I didn't realise that until recently how much that had how much that had you know affected me um, and my ability to trust people. And yeah, so working that through and it's yeah, it's very real. We don't we don't often realise the effects of trauma until we're kind of past the actual trauma itself, and it could be years till we realise. Um, yeah. Yep. We're so we're we're so much more fragile and so much more resilient than we think. We're both. Yes. Know? Yeah. That's it. Absolutely right. Yeah. Um, and there's kind of a beautiful dichotomy there somewhere. Like I think. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's a tension to thrive in. Absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, 
okay, you've had this condition, you've lived with it for 10 years. Now, how has this impacted your your spiritual journey, your relationship with God, your you know, your faith journey? Like, what, how has it kind of impacted that and, yeah, changed how you view God and everything like that? Man, <laughs> it has impacted my faith journey so much, so much. You know, uh, I think before I got sick, faith made more sense. It, I, I think my faith was tied to effort mm. and. I enjoyed being able to do good things for God. And there was some legitimate good there, but not the the deep goodness of coming to the end of all being able to do anything good. <laughs> uh, getting to the point where you're too sick to do anything. And then realizing, oh, God, you still love me even when I can't do anything. So um, the, the journey first exposed my striving and exposed my worship of a God who was not God, a God that demanded effort out of me, that demanded Mm. affection out of me, and the God that I thought I was worshiping had to die um, so that I could learn to be loved by the God who was already here. Uh, so yeah, it um, being sick and then going through a host of other, a lot of other really hard things has been a continual process of learning to be loved by the God who's already here and who does not demand perfection out of me, who who wants to be with me, who doesn't care if I produce any beautiful words or I do anything that changes the world, he wants to be with me first and foremost and, and made that manifest in his choice thousands of years ago beyond before time even began to choose suffering, to become a human like me and to take on this painful, humbling human existence to manifest his love so that it's been a journey of learning oh that is what love is god stands in solidarity with me first before he moves me toward anything else he stands with me yeah yeah and i love that i love the idea of because i i i struggled with one of the traumas i had was was religious trauma and so i struggled with Christianese with any kind of Christian language that talks about God and even with some scripture stuff certainly using scripture as an answer to everything yeah um even though I still love love Jesus and who he is and you know still love parts of the Bible and still love the teachings of Jesus and so the idea of Jesus uh, the idea of the crucifixion for me, it's become, it's become more an act of solidarity rather than just like, oh, he's dying to save me from my sins. You know, um, I, I heard a talk about creativity and suffering once and um, it was like Jesus, it, there was, he said, Jesus on the cross is, 
is God saying me too. Like, like I have suffered as well. Like, whatever you've talked, whatever you can talk about in terms of suffering, I have suffered it too. Um, and that's kind of reassuring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a profound mystery. Yeah. I think it is. It is me too, and so much more. I think when oh yeah, when Jesus Christ was born as a baby that had to be changed and fed by his mother, I think when when Jesus Christ was born, um, time and space was forever altered, and that mysteriously because of Jesus's life and his choice to be human and be embodied and his his death and his resurrection his ascension I think because of his life um, it is now within the places of suffering and weakness that time and space are intersected by his life hmm. it's a, a mysterious metaphysical thing but it's within these places that we still want to escape where we find Jesus actually is already here saying me too. Yeah. And I'm with you. Yeah. And it's, 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 yeah, I've been thinking about this since during this conversation, like, cause I noticed it's like, it's, it was when you suffered that you discovered the real God. It was then it was when you suffered that God suddenly became bigger mm-hmm. and wider and deeper and, um, and that's my experience. You know, mm-hmm. if I hadn't gone through what I'd gone through, I could still be in religious certainty right now. You know, I, my God could be really small and controlling and stuff. And I could be, you know, or I just or I just had a religious trauma instead of the other kind of trauma, <laughs> um, which is probably likely. But I, yeah, it's it's interesting because obviously you don't choose to suffer, and nobody would want to suffer, and we don't wouldn't, wouldn't wish suffering on anybody. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe the divine would wish suffering on anybody. But yeah, suffering happens, and then we get then the divine just change gets bigger and wider, and we we see more truth about right. the divine. I think it's really important, um, and this is something I talk a lot about in my book, but I think it's in order to get there to what you're talking about, I believe that we have to resist the temptation, this is a, this is a Christian-y word, but to, <laughs> to try to understand our suffering. Yeah. We try to find the purpose in our pain. Sorry, I'm using air quotes. The purpose in our pain. Uh Man, I just see, I've, I've experienced this myself. I experienced this with my clients. I'm a therapist as well. And I and, and with countless, like, readers all over the place, we get, we, we go into a pit of discouragement and despair when we try to draw a line between our excruciating circumstances and God's supposed goodness. And... It, we feel that in order to have faith and hope, we have to crystallize that line and make it more more um, tangible. And the the reality is, we can't. We cannot draw that line. We do. We cannot understand it. It is beyond us. Only God understands it, and it is okay that we don't. And if we can instead set it down. 
shut down all of our line making. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And, and, and just pay attention to our lives as they are and see how God might be here already. Uh, that's when we can experience what you're describing of this. Okay. Uh, God is saying me too. And I don't have to strive so much. And there is goodness in my life. But it only comes when we lay down that incessant desire to understand. Yeah. Because, because our minds actually operate in such a way that when we're trying so, so hard to make sense of our lives, um, our brains are in a state of anxiety. And when you're in a state of anxiety and fear, you actually can't recognize the goodness that's right in front of you. But you have to come to a state of calm in order to experience the goodness that's here. That's right, yeah. The journey of suffering. Yeah. Um, I'm writing my book right now, my memoir. My, and, mm-hmm. and every time I talk about this kind of thing now, I'm, I'm getting excited about writing about it because I... I'm seeing new things I can write, I can put in, you know, like, it's, like, because, just because, sometimes I, I don't feel privileged to have suffered, you know, if that makes sense, I wouldn't choose my suffering, but, I, it's difficult to find good language, healthy language for this, like, but, I wouldn't go back and, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't change who I am, you know, there's that line in, I don't know if you've ever heard the song, um, Johnny Cash song, Her. Um, mm-hmm. If I could, st- one of the lines in that song is so powerful, is if I could start again, I would keep myself. <laughs> like, and I love that, because he's like, an, I mean, that was his last song before he died, and he was like 90 or something when he, when he recorded it. And so he'd had all that life experience. So when he sang it, it sounded true. Like and he'd made mistakes and he he'd had addictions and he'd been through suffering and like and it was like if I could start again I I would keep who I who I became because of that mm-hmm. and I love that because I that's exactly what I I wouldn't change who I am now I wouldn't want to go through what I went through again <laughs> but I wouldn't change who I am because I'm because of where I am on my journey you know mm-hmm. is that your experience as well definitely I would I wouldn't have chosen this story and because I'm a human I wouldn't be capable of choosing this story even if I had the choice and yet I'm so thankful for who it has formed me into yeah yeah because you get to write books and encourage others and you get to yeah you have a you get to have a different perspective on on God and you get to help other people you know when yeah which is a great thing I mean I want to like I guess push back a little because it like I think reader or listeners I'm used to saying readers because I'm I'm always writing I don't usually get to like talk but uh, I think listeners could misunderstand that that means like feels great and I just get to um, oh yeah no you don't know that I know (laughs) you don't think that but it's like no my life is my life remains really hard but there is so much joy in in helping others but also just in being I've been changed into a person that is thankful I've been changed into a person who can see the beauty around me and who 
who bears witness to goodness in others and can offer solidarity to others, that's what's good. And and that's what I'm mm. thankful for, even though my life remains difficult. Yeah, that's right. I mean, yes, that doesn't minimize the suffering. It doesn't mm. minimize the daily experience. Like I, I had a really bad mental health day this week and it's actually i mean it was my first bad one for a long time like really a long time which is a good a good sign <laughs> but um but i felt a lot of shame about that the like how vulnerable i was about it but then something happened um like a, a mental health advocate i know sadly committed suicide and and I saw how vulnerable he had been about his own mental illness during his life. And I was like, oh, right. Okay, this is actually okay. I can do this. And not only will it help me, but it might help somebody else. It might help somebody else not feel so alone. And that's, that's the thing, that we, that, we, that we get to share that with other people. That it, When you do stuff in community, it helps you and it helps other people who are going through the same thing. Yeah, because... I think the reality is that we cannot see the face of Jesus without the faces of each other. And that means each other showing up just like Jesus showed up on the ground of this earth and said, I am one of you. I'm not. And, and he didn't come here and like walk around painlessly. Mm. He came here and he felt so much anxiety in the garden of Gethsemane that he sweat like, Sweat like drops of blood. He mm. basically had a panic attack. <laughs> you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. That is what. That's what we can be to one another is showing up and saying, "I am here. I am fully human, just like you." And that's that's where we see the face of Jesus. Yeah, that's right. That's absolutely right. Yeah, um, and it's so different from the Hollywood story that a lot of. I'm going to say evangelical church kind of tries to sell you and it's, you know, you get the stories at the front of the church of um, I was in this situation and then God sorted out, God healed me or saved me or gave me the job or um, all that kind of thing and now my life is great, you know. Um, and actually they're, they're in the minority, they're not the majority stories, you know, like, right. but that's what a lot of, that's what a lot of churches want to sell you. Really, and that's a sad thing to say. Like, I hate saying the fact that, that I hate saying that, but it's true. They want to sell, that's what they want to sell you, like the Hollywood ending. Like you come, you. It's kind of, and I, uh, I interviewed um, Stephanie Tate a few weeks ago, and we were talking about this. Like, it's prosperity. It's it's a prosperity gospel when you believe something so that you'll get something at the end of it. You know, when you're going to, if you believe in God or Jesus just so that you'll get to heaven, <laughs> then you just, you're just believing in. A prosperity gospel because you're just believing in something so that you'll get the thing at the end of it you'll get the reward you'll get the blessing you'll get the you'll get the answer to prayer you'll get the you know but that's not to me that's not authentic faith that's not authentic like it's not authentic faith and it's not actually even satisfying no it's not no i mean i've done it it's not <laughs> i've done it too and it's not satisfying <laughs> And you, don't, and you don't have that depth of relationship. You know, you don't have the depth of intimacy. You know, and 
I've seen two responses to suffering in people. Either they retreat and go back into kind of religious certainty because it's easier, mm-hmm. and they think that's healing of the pain, but actually it's just a structure that you build around the pain to kind of hide it, hide it, control it, numb it, whatever, um, mm-hmm. which, doesn't, which, which doesn't last. Or you actually go into the pain and you feel it and you experience it and you confront it and deal with it. Um, and then, it, although that is a painful experience and can be quite traumatic, it actually ends up being quite healing and liberating. And and in terms of spirituality, it opens you up to a deeper relationship with the divine. Absolutely, because the way of Jesus is always to enter the pain. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's all. Yeah, it's it's literally there in in. In, I hate to say this phrase because it sounds really Christian, but in scripture, it's it's there. Like you don't, you don't have to go very far to see it. It's there in every single gospel. <laughs> yep, it absolutely um, is. Um, yeah, and it's, it's the more I think about it, the more the more ridiculous it sounds. Like that people still still believe the other the alternative that people try and sell them because it's. It's so obvious that that's not what Jesus is about. That right. if you <laughs> that it should be obvious to people. But maybe when but I've been in the midst of it. When you're in the midst of it, it's difficult to see it. It is, and I think our like the pain itself, and then the pain of existing in communities that are allergic to pain (laughs) makes it really difficult to face the true gospel the true good news that Jesus stands in solidarity with us in our pain and invites us to go with him to our dark places it's really hard to do that because it means having to live courageously and it means doing something that in both of our cultures is very countercultural it's very odd to turn towards these dark places and to to notice them and and to not just constantly be seeking relief. Mm. And turning towards our pain requires feeling the pain, but we live in cultures that anesthetize everything. That's right. We want aspirin for everything. That's right. We want we want to treat the the symptoms, not the not not the disease. You know. Um, <laughs> That's the cult. That's actually encouraged in our culture. We, you yep. know, um, to. Whereas if you treat the disease, it, never, it doesn't come back. You know, you might still have wounds and stuff, but it doesn't come back. And again, I, I guess now I look at that story of Jesus when he comes when he when he's resurrected and he still has all the scars. Mm-hmm. So the so he still has all the wounds. He carries them around with him. Mm-hmm. And that know. just gives me so much hope. Yeah, yeah. That that our pain really does matter. Yeah, and it's not you can't brush it under the carpet. You can't hide it. You can't hide what happened to you. It happened, and he doesn't hide what happened to him. <laughs> you know, he doesn't. That is that's what is true religion. That's true Christianity. Is that Jesus didn't hide what happened to him. He bears it. And lets us touch the scars. Yeah, exactly. And it's just—it's if you think about the idea of, of touching a scar in somebody's side or in their hands, 
which he must have those kind of scars that they would that he would have it's actually quite discomforting mm-hmm. and that's that's what that's what touching the scars is it's like it's discomforting it takes you out of your comfort zone it's not it's not happy ever after it's not all resolved at the end it's 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 uncomfortable but it's what you need to do <laughs> Um, yeah and you know I think it's important to remember while we are mid-story right now each of us there there is this the story is headed somewhere mm. we're not endlessly going to be experiencing all the pain that we experience right now the kingdom of God is is partly here and beautiful and touching our lives and changing things about how we exist and making us open our eyes to goodness that's here in the middle of hard things. But also the kingdom of God is going to be made full one day and, and pain will end. And, and that's not my only hope, but it is a good one. And, and it's important to remember. Yeah. Absolutely, it is, um, and I've struggled. To be honest, I've struggled with that. Yeah, like, I have a feeling that you the, might. the whole. <laughs> you get me. Now, I yeah, because I, I've been trying to figure out. I've been talking to my. I go to a contemplative community in London, which allows a, a lot of liturgy and a lot of contem- a lot of contemplation, a lot of silence and teze and agape and all those kind of things, which I love. I love all that kind of thing because it's not evangelical yeah. language it's and it's small and quiet and intimate but i still struggle with the language to talk about god and i struggle i don't know what to think about heaven or you know what happens afterwards i i still like, i mean from a purely scientific perspective there is a there is evidence that there's loads more dimensions to reality than we know yeah. and that our consciousness can survive after death so I I absolutely believe in life after death, and in fact, I was talking to another guy, somebody from my podcast, about talking to my talking to talking to parents that you've lost, actually having just a relationship with them, conversation with them, because their 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 spirit is still alive, you know. Um, and I've had that, I've experienced that, and they're real. I had a transcendent spiritual experience with my mother, like in when I was doing a Taze chant mm-hmm. in my spiritual community. Um, and it was really real. Um, and so... It talks about the, like being able to pray for those who have already passed as well. Yeah. I think that kind of rocks the minds of some evangelicals, but... Hey. Yeah, and it's, it's everything is spiritual, yeah. you know. I, I, but, the, yeah, when you talk about what, the time when there's no pain, I, I believe that. I believe that, and whatever it looks like, I don't know, but I believe that 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 happens. I believe there is something better. That this is not the end. Um, yeah. Whatever else I believe about it, I I do still hold on to that. I'm um, glad. And that is a that's a yeah. I ha- and for a while I don't think I did, but that's okay. Well, I didn't admit it to myself. Actually, I didn't didn't admit it to myself. But I, that's probably that probably happened for a while and if i i know that if i stayed in the church that i was in that would have happened i would have lost my faith completely um because it was sucking it was literally sucking the life out of me i was having physical reactions to it it was like i was physically i remember going to this new 
community that I go to now for the first time. And I've told this story loads of times. If you listen to my podcast, you'll know this story. Um, that I, the first time I went in, I could, I physically was able to breathe for the first time in a church, and I physically felt it in my body. And I was still attending the other, the other church that I used to go to. And I went back there, and I could physically feel myself tighten up physically. Like there was a, literally, yeah. I was like I was in a straitjacket, and I couldn't say anything that yeah. I believed. I couldn't say who I was. I couldn't talk. Couldn't tell my story at all because it was so controlling and so so much so much passive aggressive control and manipulation and telling you what to believe and how to believe and certainty and and I was yeah. like I couldn't be myself in there I couldn't and yeah there was a, again it was a physical thing it was a physical yeah. reaction right. it was and it was like being released when you come out of it so and and it was but it was strangling the life out of me you know it was it was it was literally killing my faith, you know. Um, and fortunately, I got out just in time. Yeah. <laughs> I love that you. I love that you are describing how your body felt because I think that our bodies really are guides to safety, mm. and they can be. I think we can also misunderstand things, you know, environments that we're in as less safe than they are sometimes, but. But our, our bodies, the way that we physically feel, really is worth paying attention to, attention to and can guide us toward health and it can guide us toward places where we are going to be more safe and free. And I just, I long for people who are listening to pay better attention to their bodies and, and their bodies when they are with a community of faith, um, pay attention to how it feels to be there and be curious about what. What does what are these things that your body's doing? Like what is what is that telling you about how you feel here? Are you safe? Is this a life giving environment for you? If it if you're feeling an anxiety rise up, if you're feeling a tightness in your chest, if you feel like you need to escape, pay attention to that. Ask questions about why that might be happening. It's important for you to pay attention. You don't just need to keep feeling mm. terrible. <laughs> God, God longs for us to be safe and secure and to belong, and our bodies are guides to that. I actually, yeah, absolutely, yeah, that's true. That's true. I've, I mean, I've been, that's one of the thing I've been, things I've been learning to do is listen to my body. You know, and it's it, you can learn how you can learn how to do it. it you have to be intentional yeah. about it, but it can be learned. So, um, as a therapist, I have to ask, what has helped you learn how to listen to your body? Well, I had, I've got a good life coach um, who helps me and shared this this idea with me. So I had to check in with her every day about what was going on in my body. And it was really uncomfortable at first. And I was like, you know, but I started to notice that there was a pain in my shoulders and a tension in my shoulders a lot of the time, Mm -hmm. which I hadn't been aware of. Um, Mm -hmm. And so... I was able to start talking about why that might be and you know that that kind of thing I've done a lot I've done a bit of meditation done a bit of yoga mm-hmm. you know and I think when I'm and I've got these practices like you know daily daily journaling um, and which I know has been proven again to have benefits for your physical health as well as your emotional health mm-hmm. uh, and then there's yeah there's yoga and going to my spiritual community and just practice just paying attention like 
why am I feeling like that? Where is that pain coming from? Where is that? What is that about? You know, um, and it's it's really interesting, um, and it's just, it is uncomfortable, especially at yeah. first. Um, but yeah, it helps you get in tune with what's really going on inside of you. Like, like, like when I had I had like when I was when I was, when I was learning this, I had some moments where I was really struggling and we talked about what what goes on in your head when physically what are you feeling when that happens and I was talking about like this bubbling in my head and this like almost like feeling like my head was swelling and all these all this energy and like was going into my head and like it was like it was like yeah some kind of liquid going in there and boiling up and bubbling up and like and going like affecting my whole body you know and like Mm -hmm. clouding and it clouds your judgment and it clouds your you know your maturity in a way you start becoming like a child and and then it takes a while to to dissipate you know and and then you start hearing these old scripts Mm -hmm. in your head which you've been told yourself a million times which you which are kind of like your responses to conflict Mm -hmm. which i started to recognize and write these down and it was like oh right and then i started to talk to my and talk to my child and have yeah. conversations with him and write those down and like check in with him every day and that's really helped as well so all of these little things um yeah and so we've come full circle to where we were at the beginning of this conversation yeah. this is why the response to suffering that just says we need to understand what god is up to and we need to find all the right scripture to remind ourselves of truth this is why that actually is not faith because our God actually says, Jesus says that we should become like little children. He wants us to be able to come oh. to him with trust yes. and to, to come back to that place of experiencing the parts of ourselves that are afraid and have been wounded and weren't, that were neglected and abandoned in, our, in all the various points of pain in our stories. He wants us to be able to come back to that place and experience mm. him as present and as loving and as kind, as steadfast. Um, and the only way that we get there is through paying attention to our bodies, not just to scripture. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And and actually when we pay attention to our bodies we can become aware of trauma we didn't know we had as well. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't know I had religious trauma until I started listening to my body mm-hmm. like I had a, I went to a, um, a, a meeting somewhere a spiritual meeting and I my body my body physically started to make the the, the, the bodily shape that you get when you throw up mm-hmm. I didn't actually throw up but it just made my body went into that shape where you're like automatically almost it was like a and, I started, and that's when I started to realise, you know, because I'd already, this was after I'd had that experience in, in my church, actually. So I was already kind of aware of a physical reaction, but I didn't realise just how bad it was until then. Um, and then the other thing, like talking to my child, like I, I became aware of a grieving that I hadn't, didn't know about. Like, like my mother had an asthma attack when I was eight years old and lost her short-term memory, right? Mm. So the, the childhood I'd had before that was over, the mother I'd had before that was kind of gone. She was a different person. The right. possibilities of a life that I could have had went. 
my my role in my family changed. Everything. So there was like I didn't realize there was a grieving for that, and it was my child's grieving, not not as an adult because my mum died as an adult when I was an adult. So that was an adult kind of grieving, but I hadn't realized that until I started talking to my child, and yeah. so now I've been able to start processing that. You know, and I only realised kind of that in the last week or so because that was, and that's where all this kind of where I had this difficult time this week was was because of that because I was I think in hindsight, you know, this feels like a therapy session. It's really strange. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you can't help it when you are talking to a therapist. <laughs> we make we, we make you talk about these things. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> I meant to be interviewing you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Also, we're two Enneagram fours talking, so of course. Oh, of course. That's right, yeah. We break the rules, yeah. Right. <laughs> and we go to our deep places and overthink everything, yeah. Right. I almost uh, said we should like have a, a warning at the beginning of the episode so people know you might cry when you're listening to this. <laughs> yeah yeah i forgot you're in your ground for yeah that's right but it makes total sense that you are um yeah. um yeah um yeah but i mean like so i mean i mean like i talked about writing as something that's quite therapeutic was was writing the book quite a therapeutic healing experience for you <laughs> <laughs> i laugh um because Writing my book was, um, yes, at some points it was, but first it was excruciating. Um, really? Interestingly, writing my book happened during the hardest season of my life. And so I had to essentially um, face on a deeper level, maybe part of this is because of being a four, like having, needing everything to be authentic and true. And I'm not going to share anything if I don't fully believe it. Um, but I really came, came to a place where, uh, there were things happening in my life that were terrible. They continue to be happening. I'm not in the same place, but there's some terrible things happening that I just, I'm not going to get into, but Hmm. I, I really had to ask, like, do I believe you are who you say you are, God? And do I believe that there actually is grace and suffering? The subtitle of the book is Finding Grace When Suffering Lingers. And I came to this point where, like, things were dark, and I had to really question if there is grace here. And can I say especially that there is grace in the body of Christ? Because a big part of my book is talking about relationships as a means of grace and as a means of building resilience and living our lives with courage. And here I was um, with some relationship because of church, just really making my life um, very unstable. <laughs> and uh, I, I really had to question that. So the writing of my book at first was really painful because it required asking hard questions and kind of like, stripping myself bare before God. Mm. Um, and, and, and I came to a place actually, <laughs> this is crazy, but I came to a place in the middle and not the middle, but part, that's the first third of writing my book where I just was like, I'm, I'm stopping. I'm, I'm going to take at least two weeks off. I'm not writing anything else until 
I am in a different spot because I'm not okay. And I'm, there's no, the book is not worth it if I, if I'm going to be like driving myself into the ground to produce something that I don't fully believe. So I'm going to take some time. So I took some time and did a lot of soul searching and had a lot of people praying for me, honestly, because things were pretty dark and my mental health was struggling. And, um, and, and I came to a good place again. Um, and out of that, I w- things didn't become easy because of the circumstances that my husband and I were facing um, remained difficult. But mm. I, but I was me again. I was able to stand on my own two feet again and believe what I was saying again. So, um, so yeah, it was cathartic. Writing the book was cathartic in that it was like I had to experience all over again everything that I was writing about and test it again. Is this true? Is this, is this actually guiding people towards life and towards goodness? And um, I can tell you it is because, because I had to live the whole message of my book all over again in this like really intense way. So. Wow. It was crazy. Wow. That's, yeah, that's, that's pretty intense. So it's a, it's an intense read. Yeah, I'm looking forward to reading it, but I, I was going to wait till next year. Um, and it might even be later in the UK as well. Like, it's May in America, but oh, right. it might yeah, be even later in the UK. Up. Like, oh, oh we'll man. Get you one. We'll get you one, James. <laughs> yeah, oh, thank you. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, yeah, I can't wait to read it. And um, yeah, wow. Well, this has been so great. Um, it has been really fun. Yeah, I feel like we could talk for hours probably if we, we could if we if we let ourselves you know um, <laughs> yeah. that's quite a fourth thing as well um it is. It is. <laughs> so oh so yeah this has been really really encouraging um i'm sure that other people have found it encouraging as well if they're listening um yeah so where do, where do people find you online yeah so you can find everything at kjramsey.com uh, I am most frequently on Instagram because I really love sharing beauty. So mm. I share a lot of pictures and short reflections there. And then I'm on Twitter as well. Both of those are at KJ Ramsey Wright. Awesome. And I can highly recommend the Instagram because some of the photos are just amazing. There was one today which was just, uh, yeah, amazing. I was so, out the window. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. Um, So yeah, definitely. And go and pre-order that book. This too shall last. Um, It comes out next year. Um, But it's. But make sure you got your copy pre-ordered, because I'm desperate to hear that story. So. (laughs) um, So thanks for thanks for coming on, and we'll definitely have you back sometime. Um, I would love that. Probably before the book, I think, <laughs> because we've got so much That's to talk it. about. Let's yeah, do it. yeah, absolutely. So, um, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, take care, and uh, we'll talk soon.